What's going on, everybody? You've got the card board coaches here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, today we got a very special guest on the podcast today, Susan Lajushka. No, nope. oh, so no, nope. close. close? <laughs> what was it? What? You got? You got to tell me. Lajudai. Lajudai. Why does it look Lajushka? <laughs> Lajudai. I'm just gonna keep saying it over and over again, and, and I can't screw it up after that. So, for those of you who don't know, Susan is with CSG, and I would love for you to explain your role. Um, for those of you, before we get into that though, for, uh, for those of you who don't know, CSG has had a major announcement recently, and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have Susan on the podcast. But also, I mean, I've met Susan so many times, and, and I'd like to know a little bit more about Susan's story, uh, not just with respect to CSG, but her own collecting. She, If you don't follow her on Twitter especially, uh, you definitely need to, because uh, some of uh, she has a lot of thought-provoking questions that get the hobby going. And uh, she's never afraid to say how she really feels. And that's actually something that I, I really admire and respect most about you is that, you know, a lot of times when people have prominent roles, uh, you know, in this space or in companies, they tend to shy a little bit. Away, they, they tend to shy away from, you know, any sort of controversial, controversial takes or being too harsh on certain subject matters uh, and like truly speaking like how they really feel about things. And that's something that you do on a regular basis. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, that, that you're welcome. But that, admittedly, that is hard. Like you said, like you work for a company. So there is a fine line, you know, yeah. there's, there's certainly probably things I would like to have said about certain things yeah, and yeah, I yeah. keep back because there is, you know, at, at times you have to, you know, you realize like you still work in this industry. So work yeah. for a company. So you have to, you know, you have to be professional. Yeah. I like it's the best way to put it. But yeah. you know, at, at the heart of it, I'm a collector, and that's how I've always felt, and that's how I feel. And I, I, you know, a lot of times I just view it from the lens of a collector. How does this affect a collector? How does this, you know, all changes that are making are happening? Like, how do these things affect collectors? And as a collector, how do I feel about them? Yeah. So that's how I view pretty much whether it's things I'm doing in my job. Or even things that happen that are, don't affect me, I just think about how it affects the collector. And I mean, I love that. Like that's that's we need more people who are truly collectors in in these prominent roles. You know what I mean? Like I know that at the end of the day, these are businesses, and like getting a lot of business people in there is is important as well to further that business. But there needs to be like a fine line between like business and collecting because ultimately, like this is a hobby, right? And like the minute it stops feeling like one, I mean a lot of people are just going to find another damn hobby. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I'm sure like the, the diehard collectors aren't going anywhere anytime soon, but you know, there's been a lot of talk recently. Like, you know, are we in a bear market? Are we in a bull market? Are we, you know, like what type of content do we want to start consuming? What, like, there's just so many different takes out there. Uh, especially if you look at the, I mean, let's say the, the charts and you see the, the prices of a lot of items a year or two years ago versus the, the cost of those items. Now, I mean, pretty much everything across the board is like is down, uh, and and so naturally during these times there's going to be a lot of turmoil, um, and so having people with collecting backgrounds, that's personally who I want at the at the helm here. You know what I mean? So for sure, so, I mean, there's, I mean, we're talking about just the market itself. Like, yeah. if you've been collecting for a long time, none of this feels wrong. You know, it's like we've been here, you know, we've seen the cycle go up and down, up and down. The The thing that felt different was actually the pandemic and how yeah. everything shot through the roof. Um, that was the anomaly to me as a collector. And look, I don't do stats and I don't do analytics and I have nothing wrong with that. I love the app. I have plenty of the apps on my phone. Like I check them, you know, I yeah. look at different indexes and yeah. I do, I like them. But if you've been in this hobby a long time, like you see the ups and downs and we're still here. That's what I always like. Like it's been up, it's been down. I like to call it like the peaks and valleys of collecting. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it though, we're still here. We're still collecting and collecting isn't black and white. It's just, it's whatever you want it to be on any given day. Like I could collect one thing today and decide tomorrow I want to collect something else or I want to collect a different way. Um, and none of it is wrong. I love that. Let me ask something. You said you've been in the hobby for quite some time. 
during the as you said the the pandemic was just like kind of surreal time for you know the price of things shooting sh- straight during that time were you were you a buyer were you cautious were you you know what i mean like how was how was your collecting during the pandemic times um i still focus on what i focus on like i'm a big dairy jeter collector you know nice. so i bought cards here and there of things you know, you know what else happened during the pandemic yes cards were more expensive but also cards i hadn't seen pop up in a very long time mm. were coming to market so i was able to purchase big holes in my collection of things i didn't have and hadn't seen in like either really good condition or for like a good price and even though things were like again slightly more expensive yeah. is it really and like this is a question i've asked is it really overpaying if it's for your PC? I don't think so. So yeah. like for things I bought for yeah. my collection that, you know, I may not have bought otherwise because they weren't popping up. Um, so I still bought things. I sold a very big card during the pandemic and I don't sell cards. Like yeah. it, you are going to have to pry my collection out of like my cold fingers. Like, yeah. and yeah. we decided we needed to move and buy, you know, I had a kid and we needed to go to a better school district. So we sold a, I sold a big, big card. Um, and don't regret it and put down payment on where I live and thank the pandemic for it. Yeah. Like not, not that, you know, obviously that, but like that spike in the hobby, like that's the only time I've sold a card and I'm okay with it. Can I ask you what the card was? Yeah. It was a 2011, uh, finest X Fractor Mike Trout autograph rookie card. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big one. That's a big Which one. We pulled out of a case. Did you? Yeah. My friend and I, we were like before case breaking and everything got crazy. Yeah, yeah. My friend and I, like we had a blog and we just wanted to open stuff. Like that's what it was like. Look, we're 2011. Again, this is like whatever. We're broke. We don't have tons of money. Yeah. Right? So we just, we want to open stuff. So we would buy cases and sell, sell team slots um for the cost of the case like we weren't trying to make money we just yeah. wanted cool cards and open them so you know we're yankees fans so we you know we bought the yankee slot um and the angels went not me right the blue jays actually had gone unsold but somebody who had the was a blue jays fan he had bought the angels we're like well look we'll swap you like we paid for the blue jays we played for the blue jays spot we'll swap you the angels for the blue jays he's like yeah okay and we ended up pulling the trout in that in that case that's crazy yeah that's a big one and so i mean obviously i mean that's the dream right it's like yeah you want to hold on to your your collectibles i mean basically till death do us part especially if you're buying true pc items but at the end of the day if you have something that's accumulated so much value and it can change your life and the life of like your loved ones i mean like i said before this is a hobby so uh you gotta you gotta make this the, the smart decision here and and take the money sometimes you know that, that was exactly what it was because like you said i love my cards like if it was a Derek cheater card i might have to think separately on that but like um this was like i said we we got a down payment for a for like our apartment where we're living with it and like what am i gonna do sit in my old apartment and my kids going to like a bad school and i'm just gonna be staring at this mike trout card for the rest of my life like, you know what i mean like that, that, it's it's an important perspective right so let's talk about your role at CSG. What is your role at CSG? And so, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, and, and when did you start? Um, so I'm coming up on my one year anniversary Congrats. actually this week. Thank you. Um, I am the marketing manager for CSG, CGC trading cards, now soon to be just CGC cards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's going to CGC. Yeah, so it's just all going to be CGC cards. So there's going to be okay. no more CSG. Okay. Um, and it's and all and it used to was CGC trading cards, and that's where you would grade like Pokemon and Magic. Yes. Um, but now all cards will be graded under the CGC cards umbrella. So sports, non-sports, uh, trading card games, everything will be under that. Okay. And before we get into the details of that, I I want to know a little bit more about your lineage with let's call it just CGC moving forward. Um. So when did you when did you start at, at the company in general? So you, you did you recently get into you recently got into this this marketing position? No, I was. They started as this was my role. This is, as I was, it was with just CSG, uh, yeah. CSG marketing manager, and then about 
seven to eight months later, I also then took over trading cards as well. Okay, all right. That makes um, sense. so then it was both, and now it's just it's the same job. It's just now just one company name. Yeah. So it's I mean a little bit easier for you to manage at least. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes with CGC over the course of the last, I mean, since basically the pandemic, right? You guys have changed the holders twice now. The, um, I'll say this. The holders okay. are exactly the same. Okay. The actual plastic holders. Yeah. The label though. Yeah. The label. Want. Yes. Yes. But I just want to make sure the holders themselves, okay. because Sorry, thank you. the holders, we take very big yeah. pride on. Like they're yeah. super nice. I was wondering, I'm like, she almost jumped on yeah. my throat there. No, like, <laughs> the holders are the same. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay. So you guys changed the labels. Um, I guess some people, and again, this isn't me. Some people in, in my comment section have been saying, you know, like they, they're not fond of the fact that you guys keep changing labels. Is this the last time you guys change the label for the foreseeable future? What, what forced the label change? Like, I'm curious. Yeah. So becoming one company with, with like CSG and CGC trading cards merging under CGC cards, um, we needed to have one unified label, right? Because yeah. CGC Trading Cards had the blue label. Yeah. CSG has the black label. Yeah. And to be one company, it has to look like one company. So we needed to have one label. Um, and we went through so many iterations of what that would look like. I'm, yeah. not, like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, yeah. it was like crazy looking labels, like really things that actually like pulled from like everything both of them black blue other colors like everything and went through focus groups like you know just even inter and talk to people internally went to focus groups of different like collectors different dealers different hobbyists people who were like n don't even have you know don't have a skin in the game they're yeah. just like people who are in the hobby yeah. but like, so many different types of people and it came down and like, and it's just funny that like it came back to this label, this black label, um, because what it did was take it, it puts it's neutral, right? So it doesn't yeah. like your eyes don't automatically just go to the label when you're looking at the graded card for CGC cards. It, it's neutral. So what it does, it puts the focus on the card. So now you have this crystal killer holder that make the cards pop. Like this is an opinion. This is literally mm -hmm. what everybody says about the holders. Yeah. And you have a label that's not going to detract at all from the card. Um, so that's why it changed. That's how we got to the new label and to the other question like are we changing it no like this is it like this is if like i'm never gonna say never right because there's like any changes it would yeah. be like because we needed to add like security features that it does have so i don't want to say but like something to add a security feature or just like small sort of like minute things that maybe people wouldn't even realize we changed yeah but it's this is it like this was such a big undertaking and such a big like project with research and just talking to so many people like this this is it well, i mean it's good it definitely reassures some people i'm sure the you guys have changed or removed the subgrades now correct yes so do you think as one of the few companies remaining that offered subgrades do you think that that might have removed a portion of the market that really liked subgrades um, you know, there we again we did the research and we looked yeah, at numbers and stuff, and it turned out that like less than five percent of people who submitted with us requested some grades. Really? Uh, yeah, it was a really small number, and that's actually like it's in our sort of like press release in the article. Like, yeah. we didn't want to just like oh, like fifty half the people who grade yeah, with yeah, us yeah. want subgrades. Like, yeah. that's pretty significant. Yeah. But so it was less than five percent of people. So I know that was you know, and it's frustrating. I get that. Like, I'm a, again, I'm a collector. You know, you're yeah. changing things. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But one thing is that the team is actually working on different ways to for collectors to understand why they got the grade that they received would not necessarily obviously through Ooh, grades i like that um, yeah we're not ready to like share anything yet That's but okay. the team is like working hard on it and trust me it's something i've been fighting for i've been almost a year now it's like yeah, i've been fighting yeah. for, for pretty much the beginning so it's yes you know it's like yes they're going away but sooner rather than later that it'll be replaced with something that's fantastic news it's fantastic to hear that you guys are because I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to subgrades like subgrades provide although they're not perfect at least some form of transparency as to like okay why did this receive the grade that it did 
And I'm sure a lot of people look to those upgrades to, I mean, evaluate whether or not maybe this card is better off raw or whatever, whatever the case may be. Like this, the crack game is like, is, is a big deal as well. Uh, but also just like to see what the imperfections are of the card, right? Like if this got like a four surface, uh, you're like, is it, do I care about this four surface? Like you're no longer wondering why something got the grade that it did. And so I guess if companies were able to provide feedback, grading feedback on, on, you know, why your collectible received the grade that it did. I mean, ultimately subgrades don't really matter. Yeah. And that's the way we feel about it. I mean, you look at the company as a whole at CGC, um, you know, in comics, we are, you know, the number one comic grader and many comics provide graders notes. Um, so it, it also explains there. So it's not something we're not capable of doing, you know, and it's something that we do provide a service in other mm-hmm. verticals. So it's certainly um, something we're going to, you know, work work on. What it looks like, again, I don't have an answer of what of it's going to look like yet because yeah. they're still working on a couple of different ideas for that. But it is something that, you know, that is valuable and we respect that as well. Are the CGC comic book holders changing as well? No. No. Okay. Um, another question I have is so a lot of people are kind of confused about the CSG and CCG. We're calling it a merger. Um, they were two separate companies. A lot of people thought it was already the same company. So can we just clarify what exactly is happening between these two companies? Okay. And, and, uh, you know, I guess provide, you know, cause I mean, I, I actually have people like, Oh, isn't it the same company? Like they're already the same company. I'm like, no, you, ignorant goofs but you know i'm I'm gonna let it come straight from your mouth so that we have no more qualms so they're owned by the same company right it's ccg is certified collectibles group which is the parent company of csg cgc trading cards cgc comics cgc video games uh ngc which is coins pmg which is paper money what and whatever like there's a million things yeah um that's the parent group um so CSG, while CSG and CGC are own, were owned by the same parent company, um, they did operate as separate companies, like with a separate verticals. We call them yeah. verticals. So they operated yeah. as separate verticals within the building. So like if you wanted to grade baseball cards with your Pokemon cards, you couldn't just send them all in one box. Interesting. Like, yeah. So you had to send them separately before. Um, now, because of this merger, you just need to put all your cards in one box and you're fine. And that's, you know, and, and, and for us, that was like a hurdle, right, for collectors, because who wants to pay two shipping fees and who yeah. wants to pay two, you know, whatever it may be. And why do I want to send two boxes when it's literally going to the same, to the place. same building? Yeah. Like, like yeah. we're in the same building. Yeah. So that part was like, you know, a pain point for customers and not customers, but collectors. So it, the merger helped fix that. Cause on the back end, like logistically on the back end, we are able to fix those issues. So now you're able to just send it all in one box so because now we're just CGC cards and not two separate companies. So much more convenient. Yeah. The grading scale has also been updated and it's again, providing a little bit of confusion. The, the 10 previous 10, is becoming a pristine 10, correct? So there you go. Yeah. So there's a pristine 10. Okay. So anything that's a pristine 10 now stays a pristine 10. That's okay. not going to change. Um, there's a gem in 10. And on the CGC trading card side previously, a gem mint was a 9.5 number. So the best way to understand that is that the actual grade itself gem mint is not changing like cards will still be gem mint the only thing changing on that aspect is the number so instead of it saying a 9.5 gem mint it's a 10 gem mint um so if your card is a gem mint it is now a 10 as opposed to a 9.5 are there any more 9.5s yes so there's still half grade scale so then they're gonna it's essentially so it's like if you take the grading scale and essentially what it is at the, at the very top of it it's being like extended slightly so right there's the mint everything stays the same up until you get to like the nine the nine is still is going to stay the same and then there's a 9.5 now for trading cards which is you know trading card games pokemon that stuff that's a mint plus and then and that's where it sort of like extends a little bit um and then anything that's a gem mint is a 10. So if you have a card that says gem mint on the holder, on the label, 
it's a gem mint 10, even though it might say 9.5 because that's what it was on the trading card. CSG did not change in that aspect. CSG is a gem mint 10. Okay. So that did not change. The other change was there are no more perfect 10s. There's now just a pristine 10. So like you have a gem mint 10 and then if something is like the best of the best, it will get a pristine 10 special label, which okay. is a special gold label. Okay. And if a collector has a a, whole, a a card previously holdered, either with a, a different holder or maybe the 9.5 gem mint grade versus the 10 gem mint grade, how do they go about swapping that? Yeah, and they could just send it in for reholdering. Um, it's $5 to reholder the card through September right now. Um, if they're international, you could come do it because we're, we're grading on site at the national. They could come to the national, drop their cards off. and You we'll, guys are doing reholders but, at the national? Yeah. Wow. I mean, as long as we can, you know, yeah, it's, so I mean, it gets slammed, it gets messy, we might yes. have to <laughs> down. But like, um, to start, I'll say that's why I like, I can tell people, like, get there as early and as, yeah. as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing reholders and grading on site at the national. So if you want to send it in, send it into reholder, you want to do it at national. If we're at a show, you could drop off the card at the show. Other than the national, like, we'll get ship it back to the office and we'll send it back to you. You know, there's a bunch of different ways to get it to us. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Let's talk about you as a collector. You know, you told me about your Derek Jeter PC. Where does that start? Where does it start? Yeah, where does it start? Um, so when I was 16, um, I'm gonna, so now I'm going to age you. And I'm gonna, if I figure, figure out my age if you do the math real fast. Uh, when I was 16. Um, 10 years ago. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> God. it's like a lifetime ago at this point um the 1996 yankees were a thing um you know the first time they win a world series the first time in my lifetime they win a world series is 1996 because uh, i was you, born in new yorker yes i'm from nice. new york i was born in the bronx like i lived 15 minutes i was at the yankee game today by the way so like I, i'm a diehard yankees fan like yeah. uh i live 15 minutes i lived 15 minutes from yankee stadium i used to be a bleacher creature like those crazy people out like calling the name doing the roll call i sat on the bleachers for years like there was one year i went to 60 yankees games home and away you know like i love the yankees so 1996 yankees i'm 16 years old and like who's the face of 1996 yankees it's Derek jeter that's his rookie year you know they win the world series he's unanimous rookie of the year how as a baseball fan do you get closer to your player without being a stalker, right? You collect their <laughs> cards. Yeah. So you collect their cards. And that's what I did. I collect. So I collected his baseball cards, um, had a job. So like, you know, working at the sports authority, which I don't even think exists anymore. And I'm like writing out checks to eBay, like buying car lots and cards off of eBay, writing out checks. So like, I, I'd like to joke about this, but like back then, you, you had to write a check. Yeah send it to the person and money it, orders and, stuff. and yeah or money yeah, order. yeah. like the check had to clear and yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. the card my goodness if people had to wait the way they had to wait like 25 30 know, years ago for cards i know their heads would explode but anyway i digress so and then that's how it started you know i was a huge jeter fan so i started collecting his cards back in 96 97 and and have not stopped and just keep keep collecting if you had to put a number on how many cards were in this Jeter PC. Yeah. So I've currently logged 2,784 unique cards and 911 doubles. And I know this number because I was working on it last night. So I know the exact numbers, but it's probably close to 3,000 different Derek Jeter cards. Suze, that's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, are they uh, all graded? No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No. There's like five of them that are graded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you uh is it like binder? Is that like top so, loaders? No, no, they're in top loaders and in boxes now. They used to be in binders, but it, like I'm very like organized. So it's mm -hmm. like they have to be in a very certain order. And when I would get a new card, I would have to like take them out the sleeve and then put the, you know, and it's like ah, the yeah, rows yeah, yeah, and like yeah, move them yeah. over. And I didn't want to do yeah. that anymore and risk yeah. damaging the cards. Yeah. So now I just put them in top loaders and penny sleeves and put them, slide them where they need to go. I kind of love that they're not all graded. They're not. No. I love that. You know, especially nowadays, like there's such an emphasis on like grading literally everything. Um, I mean, you have these cards that are so important to you, and yet 
we don't even really care about the grades because it's just about owning the card. Pretty much. Like, I like to spend my money on baseball cards. Because I love cards. There are some, obviously, there are some that are graded, like my SP, like my junior SPs, like the yeah, 90 yeah, yeah. SPs, like those are graded. Um, probably actually most of the, my rookie cards are graded. Um, I have a handful of autos that are graded. So, like, I've actually been slowly putting some to the side that I'm going to go to send in for grading as well because uh, for me, the grading part of collecting is more about the protection of the yes. card. Yeah, I agree. And, and that. So, like, I'm not, again, I don't sell cards, so that's yeah. not really going to do yeah. anything. Like, you don't, you don't care about liquidity. You know what I mean? Like, no. you're like, I don't give a shit. I just want to protect my cards. And so that's yeah. why, like, there's some that are definitely going to be going off for grading very soon. Aside from Jeter, do you have anyone else UPC or is it just very narrow yeah, focused? No, no, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, so there's a lot of Yankees players like like Andy Pettit and Ooh. you know the core four, right? So Pettit and Posada, Mariona Rivera. Uh, I currently love Anthony Rizzo, so I have a really nice Rizzo PC. Um, trying to think, like over the years, there's been like other. I'm more of a player person, so yeah. I like. Well, yes, I love Yankees, but like I, I tend to just rather collect PC. I have a really nice Judge Aaron Judge PC because I was like his cards were really inexpensive when he came up as a rookie. Yeah um and then they then there were not anymore but um this is a, this is a future house this is a- <laughs> yeah i mean if i need a house that's Aaron Judge. <laughs> i need to move again um, so yeah i'm just trying to think if there's anybody else and and then i just collect what i like you know this it doesn't necessarily have to be like like a yankee or a favorite player if it's something that like man it's a really nice looking card it's eye-catching like i'll collect that too like i love the tv show supernatural so they made um several sets of those over the years that i've collected all those cards um yeah i love this i also love that again like you're you just collect i mean you didn't you didn't prospect judge you know what i mean it wasn't like a like you've been watching him for 10 years and i've seen his swing and you're just like this, you know, this guy I like watching play maybe and his stuff is relatively inexpensive and he's not on buy lists or any of that crap. You're just like, I'm just going to buy his stuff because I love the Yankees and he happens to be one of the most exciting players in baseball. And if it wasn't for Shohei Otani right now, could be, you know, borderline uh, maybe two-peating as MVP, you know, like it's... um. Although his season's not, not quite as good I mean, as it was last hurt, year. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite as good as it was last year. But yeah. still, I mean, that's it's pretty considerable. I mean, he's the face of the Yankees. The Yankees are the biggest baseball team, arguably, in the world. Yeah, I mean, it still it goes back to 96 Yankees again because Aaron Judge makes his debut in 2016. And the 1996 Yankees happened to be having a reunion prior to a game in August. And... I was just like, my my son might have been three weeks old at this point. And my husband buys me tickets because he's like, it's the 96 Yankees. We need to go see that. You need to go see them. My baby did not come. I'm not bringing my three week old baby to Yankee Stadium. Um, But we go and it's, I'm not even exaggerating. It's like 100 degrees outside. So hot. Like I remember on my purse, there was like these like metal grommets and like accidentally touched it and like burned my arm. Yeah, yeah. So hot. And again, so I'm like three weeks postpartum and I'm like, I'm burning up. I'm dying here. I'm going to watch this 1996 reunion on the field prior to the game. And these two Yankees are making their debut today. Um, Tyler Austin, I think it was. Yeah. Aaron Judge. I'm like, I'm going to watch their at-bats and then we're going to go home. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. Because I was like, again, I'm tired. I'm like, exhausted. I don't know yeah, yeah. Like, if you have kids. like. No, I don't. Okay. I was like, yeah. if you have kids make sure you treat the woman, the mother. <laughs> yes. Great. But they hit back-to-back home runs. Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge. In their debuts. Debuts. Their debuts. On the 96 reunion. Yeah. Day. So it's like, it all goes back to this 96 team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hit back-to-back home runs. Aaron Judge hits his home run in his debut. And I'm like, I love this guy. I want to buy his all. I want to buy all his cards. That's unreal. <laughs> and that was it. So I started just buying up like. Why him cars? instead of Austin? Because Aaron Judge is six foot seven and just like a monster, <laughs> he's, just a, he's a beast, you know. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's he's he's a planet, right? You just yeah. gravitate towards him. Yeah. So like he has his own sort of like gravitational pull. So so uh, did John Carlos Stanton? I'm actually upset that it just never. I mean, he had like what one? I think he hit fifty one season when he got yeah. traded from the Marlins. 
but like i really thought that like they were nicknamed the twin towers for for a little yeah bit, i mean right? like I mean- Probably can't use that in New York anymore. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, I, know. Um, I love him. I love Stanton. Yeah. So it's like I'm really rooted for him and I want him to like really just turn things around. He's got so much raw talent, you know? Like yeah. I just I don't know. It's, it's just been injuries, it's been nonstop. The hamstring's been just he gets so like street, he gets like hot and then, then he gets hurt. Like yeah. that's what happens. It's like as soon as he starts getting hot, you're like, oh no, the injury's coming. Like he immediately gets yeah. so unfortunate. Talk to me about what's your favorite part about being like this entrenched into the hobby and not even like, like collecting. Yes. I mean, you're an unreal collector. I mean, you, you're so passionate, but like having a voice in this hobby because of where you stand with CGC. Um, It's, it's a little tough. I, like I like, being i like the business of the hobby like it's it's like not things people think about but it's like you know it's like things going down i love the business aspect and how things are going to affect so like you know anything with fanatics like i'm fascinated by it all um anything happening i'm like i'm like oh my gosh did you see this and other people are like who cares i'm like i care like this yeah, is the thing yeah, i yeah. care about yeah. but i love that kind of stuff um and for me it's less about like a voice on the outside right um Cause I don't really do a lot of content. I don't create a ton of content. Like I don't really make a videos. I tweet. But you're, you're, yeah, but your decisions have an impact on. Yeah. On I saying, so I like the fact that I can work at companies yeah. and affect change in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's in it. I used to work at Tops. Like we haven't touched on that. When I worked at Top, I was there for five years and I worked in their marketing department too. And I still get a kick out of them. Like a lot sometimes where I still see things that they're doing and I'm almost like, I did that. That was my idea. Really? <laughs> you know, so like yeah? I'll get it. I get a kick out of that sometimes. That's awesome. Um, so like I like being able to do that because uh we t- we touched on it earlier, you know, it's like being a collector and fighting for collectors. And it's like I always viewed myself wherever I worked within this industry as like a collector advocate because you have people who either and it's not everybody, so I'm not trying to paint it like that, but like people who either came in that aren't collectors, so they don't really understand the mindset or people who had collected at some point, but like that is not their focus anymore. So for me, it's always been important to be like a voice of the collector within these companies that I work for. To me, that's been really important. Um, And it's not like, and so it's like, yeah, when I was like, oh, I see things Top's doing and I'm like, like oh, I did that, but I don't like shout it from the rooftops. You know, I'm not like on Twitter. I'm like, oh, did you, you know Tops? Yeah, yeah. Tops did this program, but that was my idea. You know, it's like I don't do that, but like I get a little self satisfaction from it. Let's talk a little bit about fanatics. Then, how do you feel about the the recent news that they kind of they served up almost like they served up papers to distributors? It's interesting. I got. I yeah, it's it's I'm I'm intrigued to see how this is where this is all going. Like I should probably clarify really quickly for the listeners. So Tops recently Tops. Yeah, Tops. Yeah, yeah. Um Tops sent a, a a document. Uh so far the only one that people that the the section that's been floating around is section eight. And it talks about the the new provisions in place for P- MVP. I'm not so sure the direct, what direct accounts. It's MVV direct accounts. Perfect. So anyone who buys direct from tops, uh, there's not a ton of these people. Well, a lot, a lot of people buy their product from these people. So these are like the, the people who have been dealing with tops directly, your local card shop. Chances are probably buys from another distributor who has one of these MVP direct accounts. Um, they have stated that there's no more business to business sales as well as there's no more online breaks to be done uh, unless they're sold in shop, basically, or unless they're, they're, the breaks take place in shop. And those are the two, I mean, major components that kind of keep this hobby going, um, at least the modern day hobby, right? Uh, and they're also not allowed to sell product online at all, I don't think, right? On the website, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I don't remember that part of it. Okay, so at the very least, the first two, I, and back to, back to my question is like, how do you how do you think this affects the collector? Um, you know, it affects the collector in the sense that you're 
limiting distribution of product if i'm somebody who likes to buy into breaks like you're gonna limit where i can buy my breaks and is that gonna be like are they gonna be following funneling people now to fanatics live i think so i I mean it's the logical answer but still it really limits where people are able to make their purchases um and i've never been a fan of exclusivity even when i worked at tops and like i i never loved that like you know it's like you know baseball was exclusive with tops and basketball was exclusive with panini and all that kind of stuff so I, I i feel like competition is good for the hobby because mm-hmm. no it's like i feel companies get complacent without competition um so um i think competition makes us all better and if you're limiting the way people can purchase the way people can do things i think it helps fanatics but I don't think it helps the collectors. And, you know, this is one of those things I probably shouldn't be saying out loud, but like, um, I don't know. I just don't, I, I like, it's, it's, I, I mean, I, I'm like concerned for like shop owners because there's shop too. owners that yeah. have been in this business a very long time. People I've known for decades and I haven't spoken to them about this just because like, well, it's like a, it's like a soft spot. It's like soft yeah, spot, and, right? Like, I'm wondering if they're still going to be here a year from now. Well, they have a month to pivot like business, right? That so many people were just like selling on margin. Like they, yeah. they, they already know exactly how many boxes go out that door every month, roughly every, every new product that comes out, they have a list of people that they sell to. And that list is now zero. And yeah. then you have on the other side, I mean, let's say they did, integrate into the online space and they've been doing breaks out of their shop and maybe even in an attempt to get rid of you know extra product they have on hand i mean now all of a sudden that's out the window too so i mean a shop is basically just a shop now and so you are kind of really handcuffing what they can and cannot do without the implementation the implementation of fanatics live like without like somewhere to take these people these I, you can't do anything. I mean, shops can't sell your products on eBay. Like, it's I, it's tough. It's definitely tough. And I, and I too am curious. I I gotta believe that Fanatics Live is ready to roll out based on how they've increased their marketing. To, like, uh, there's they're posting like a reel a day, if not two yeah. or three, about it. And like, it doesn't really show anything. It's just kind of like one of those like. Coming, coming soon, soon yeah. yes 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 it's like uh they're all like movie trailers right um but it's like it's definitely increased in frequency and given the fact that they've given these companies or these distributors to, uh a month so i think it, it they need to sign by like the 25th of july or something uh you got to believe that they're gonna have somewhere to at least take them at least with respect to the breaks but that beat the business to business stuff is is gonna is gonna wreck a few of them for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I have questions because I think like for Fanatics Live, like didn't you have to like apply to it to if you want to be a breaker? Like, yep. So what happens? And I don't know if this is the case, but like, what happens if I'm a direct store, but I applied to be on Fanatics Live and I didn't get it? I'm still limited by where I can sell them my products without having Fanatics Live. So it can completely cuts off a stream. I don't know if that's the case or not, but these are questions I like I personally have when it comes to all this. So like if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a store, why don't I just hire somebody that doesn't, you know, and and I, I sell them product and then that person breaks for me or they break independently or you know what I mean? Like there's there's definitely going to be ways like they have to have to I mean again I've been in this hobby very long you, you also don't need to be in this hobby a very yeah. long time people find in this hobby people find ways to do everything of course they so. do of course they do <laughs> that I'm not of worried course, about I'm like of they'll course, think, I'm sure they'll figure I know, it out no 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 of course they will you know what I mean so like especially you're talking about me having to close my doors or you know these rules that you just decided to implement you know like i guess what guess what's the one i'm gonna choose I'm, I'm choosing to fight this right so yeah it's gonna be very interesting the it's funny a lot of people have seemed to be excited like collectors seem to be excited about this which i found odd um at least the ones that have commented on on some of my content uh, and i guess it's just they, they they truly believe that shops are like 
evil markup machines. Do you know what I mean? It just, it baffles me. It, I think it's, so during the pandemic, I do think product was marked up, uh, you know, to, to a lot. Like the margins were crazy, crazy. during the pandemic. Um, but the companies caught up to that, you know, like Meeting Tops and Panini and all the, and, you know, Upper Deck. Um, and the cost of product from the now the, like wholesale is not as cheap as it used to be. Yeah. So now the shops, like you said, are working on like, like paper thin margins on these um so it's but i could see why collectors would still be frustrated by you know what happened two three years ago it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago no um but the, the, you know this stuff isn't really talked about people don't really know that like uh, what the price of a product from tops no, they have no idea shop. so yeah. they have no idea that like yeah this is i'm i'm asking you to spend 450 dollars on this because i've paid 445 dollars for this like i don't know that's the number i'm just making it up no no for sure like i I, it's funny i I had this conversation recently with a local card shop and they're like how am i supposed to like how are we supposed to make like what am i supposed to charge for this box like 200 bucks i'm like i i paid 175 for it and i'm like (laughs) yeah crazy yeah, and so it's like I don't think collectors realize that either, uh, and it's not up. And to be fair, it's not really up to them to realize. No, and it's it's not really they they don't give a shit. They just yeah. care about like like who's gonna be the cheap what's what's gonna be the cheapest way for me to get what I want. Exactly. So, yeah. um, but like for me, I'm so fascinated by all this business side of it. So like I'm intrigued to see what's all gonna happen. Like yeah. what you know all these rule changes, and it's fine. I kind of like choked about it on Twitter. I was like, oh, it's interesting to see all these. Hobby shops renovating their stores all at the same time. I know, I know. Wink, wink. So I'm intrigued to see what, you know, what happens um, and where it all goes. I, I don't know the answer to that. And so that's why I tend to keep more of an open mind rather than trying to like pass judgment on things. Of course. Um, I, I, you know, I used to, prior to my career in the industry, I was a journalist. So I try to, um, just keep an open mind about things and just ask. I ask, I tend to ask more questions than give answers because were you just trying to find it. Yeah. I was actually a sports writer. So it wasn't anything fancy. I didn't No, like, I mean, that's still true. I, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't like, you know, take down any governments. Or no, I mean, <laughs> why does that have to be, why does it have to be one or the other? <laughs> I don't know. But, that's awesome. Tell me about that. I want to know. Yeah, so um, you know, I was a sports. That's what I wanted to be with. You know, when I grow up, I wanted to be a sports writer. So that's what I did. Was that like was that something you said like in in how, high school? How, yeah, yeah, because I was like, impressive. I'm gonna be a doctor when I grow up. Yeah. And, like I go to high school and I was taking like all these science courses, like advanced courses. Yeah, man, science really sucks. I was like, I do not want to be a doctor because yeah, yeah. now you're telling me I'm gonna have to do like lots of science in schools. I was like, nah, I'm good. And I was like, well, what do I like? You know, this is me. This is literally one night, like sitting at home, like 15 years old. I'm like, what do I like? I'm like, I love sports. Um, I love writing. Oh, I can write about sports. Um, and so then that's what I did. So I 15, 16 movie. were like very pivotal years for you. Yeah. You know? Like you actually like changed the trajectory trajectory of your life. Like when you were 15, 16. Yeah. You know, you know how the small... <laughs> amount of people that they can say that you know what i mean like there's not a lot of people that have it figured out at 15 16 oh i don't have anything figured no out. i know Even but now. like <laughs> look at the things that you were doing at 15 16 and like look where you are today and they're all kind of because of that yeah so uh so yeah i became a sports writer and i did that for about 20 years um then how can you do it for 20 years you're 26 yeah exactly <laughs> you didn't know that about me um but so yeah and that like it was about 20 i'm trying to think like so i did it from about like yeah about 15 to 20 years in that range and then um yeah i started working in this industry love it what are you looking forward to most uh let's say heading into the national and in the next 12 months so national self i'm super excited because yeah, me um, too. i planned a whole really fun booth for like the cgc cars booth and it better be good. Like I, like I did so much work for this booth, and I'm really excited for it because I think it's like really different than things that we've done in the past. And I think it's a lot of fun. And for me, it was like, how can we make the national fun for collectors? And yeah. that to me 
is the, what drove everything around the booth. So in general, I'm excited for the national because of that. Because uh, I'll be honest, normally I'm like, oh God, five days at a card show. Like, please, like somebody kidnap me and take me home early. I yeah. love the national, but I, I love day three days of the national. <laughs> so yeah. like, but Dave, but this one, I'm like, I'm actually like super excited for this one because of this reason. So I want to see how that all goes. Um, and then the next 12 months, um, I'm excited actually to see like where non-sports goes. Cause I feel like in general, non-sports has been like, even though people want like markets are down, like I, I feel like it's been gaining more and more traction. Um, you know, you see the stuff with the magic Lord of the Rings stuff, you know, Pokemon. I love that. I love that shit. Cause I played magic like my whole life. And I'm like, I just, I'm, I'm trying not to get back into it. Like, I'm like, trying. it's like hard for me. <laughs> Good right luck now. Like, because you're a collector. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, though, I never really collected magic. I just played magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, and then it becomes a very expensive game. And I'm like, I, you got, everything needs to be up to date and you need the best of everything. And so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta take it easy here. I see all these Lord of the Rings things getting pulled and I'm like, oh man, that'd be really dope to make a green deck out of those. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 just gotta relax. Just gotta calm down a little bit. Yeah, but you see, you see the stuff becoming like Pokemon is a game, but it's so collectible too now. Have you seen the like, one fifty one? Yeah, I, yeah, I might have gorgeous. watched them. I might watch some raw cards. Um, so like, <laughs> I might have pre ordered some of the English <laughs> boxes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you know, you see Pokemon doing stuff. You see Magic doing stuff. You know, Disney Lorcana likely will still come out regardless of like Those that lawsuit. Yeah. So I think in the non-sports space, it's like a lot of well, even the Kakawao stuff exploded, oh right? I like was, I was all like about artificial or not. Like it was, I mean, people loved they. I mean, they, they just love beautiful. beautiful cards, yeah. beautiful cards. Yeah, so that's yeah. I'm intrigued a lot by that because um, we're in the sports space. I feel like people are more interested in what Fanatics is doing on a business front in the non-sports TCG space. People are interested in the cards right now i think they're just they're, they're collecting you know what i mean like yeah. and i think that the non-sports know that and like they're, they're trying to make it better for collectors i mean i mean magic didn't they didn't know there was gonna be a bounty i mean they might have known there was gonna be a bounty but aside from that bounty the fact that like they were like let's screw it like we tried these serial numbered cards before and people seem to like them so like let's do one of them you yeah, know what i mean it's like the one the like one ring right like let's do it and it's a collab between like two very popular sex i'm like this is as a as a match made in heaven like this is the uh, unbelievable idea that led to this Do you yeah. know what i mean like creativity and it came from i mean essentially the fact that they needed more people in it and they made, needed people to be excited about it and and i think that you know not to cut off what you were saying i'm excited about seeing how sports changes how the sports section changes because you know now it's not necessarily about numbered cards. i mean like yes yeah, still no about numbered cards but people are kind of sick about like they're sick of numbered cards now yeah. they're almost they're numbered card out it's like out of 499 out of 399 out of 299 out of 150 out of yeah, there's so many special anymore it doesn't feel special at all right like and base cards are, are virtually i mean i've seen people i've seen kids not not accept base cards which it's the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. Like I've never in my life seen a kid not accept the base card of, of a like a prominent rookie, but like it's happening. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how they keep people interested who might be on the fringe, right? Because I think that that's what non-sports did is like people who are on the fringe, they brought them in, right? They were like, let's like, here's some crazy artwork. Here's an unbelievable collaboration. Here's a uh, hologra holographic, Disney cards, you know what I mean? Like, here are all these cool things that you've never had before, and then you should come check them out. Versus in sports, now that's kind of like I'm just gonna feed you what you've always wanted down your throat, you know, 200 times. Yeah. You know, like if I eat burgers every day, I get sick of burgers. Do you know what I mean? Like, so no, too much of, of a good thing is never a good thing. Yeah, but uh, like, look at Pokemon, right? So Pokemon has been in the U.S. what 1996 ish 1999 30 like years yeah. yeah and yet it's as popular as ever you know the cards and like you know so the Pokemon 151 you know they come out with stuff you know and it's like what and and I've thought about this and you kind of thought a little bit it's like what can 
sports learn from that side of the like the collecting business and it was interesting because tops put out a series one box like a that was exactly like a pokemon box it had the oversized card in it a pin a bunch of booster packs for the sake of like what it is it was literally the pokemon box and i was like made me laugh i was like this is exactly and i liked it though because it was like Pokemon to me is inexpensive, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't have this like, yeah, these okay, these Pokemon 151 boxes or boosters are going for like 180, 200 bucks. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Fine. But like I could go to the store and buy like a tin or I could buy like one of these smaller boxes and Costco. 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 I go like, cards. We go to Barnes and Noble a lot, my son and I, because like he collects Pokemon cards. So we go to Barnes and Noble and like we literally I literally cannot leave Barnes and Noble without a box of Pokemon cards. It's my own fault because, like, when he's like, "Can we go to Barnes and Noble?" You set the precedent. Yeah, but when he's like, "Can we go to Barnes and Noble?" I'm like, "Of course we could go to Barnes and Noble." And what do we go there for? I mean, we buy books too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon cards, Um, but because it's inexpensive, like I don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, every time I buy this, you know, here's another fifty bucks down the drain because it's not like they're like what twenty twenty five dollars. And I get a blasters like that too, but blasters don't hold the same have the the same kind of value that you're getting from these Pokemon boxes. And I'm not worried about that. Again, I, again, I don't sell cards. He's not even really worried about that. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, he's not really worried about the value of it, really. Like, he's just like, I want my favorite Pokemon. I want no. like, no, I want a shiny thing. I want. That's, yeah. and, that's and that's it exactly. He'll yeah. be like, I got a gold rare. Yeah. And he's yeah, like, yeah. Sorry, and he yeah. has no idea. But to him, like, he knows a gold rare is good. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. Uh, I'm excited. And I'm excited that you're at the helm you know that you are out there doing your thing whether it's on twitter whether it's on other form of social media whether it's with cgc directly whether it's at the national i mean you're always out there doing your thing so i want to uh again just thank you and tell you how much i appreciate it and uh honestly thank you for coming on the podcast where can people contact you if they have suggestions questions you want fan mail <laughs> no um so i'm pretty much has the same handle like everywhere it's at yankstrick because remember i'm a yankees fan yes so it's y-a-n-x-c-h-i-c-k and it was literally my handle from like aol for you for you youngins aol was a thing back yeah, in the- yeah, yeah so it was like my aim username was it was yankstrick and that's why it's with an x because that was the cool way to spell of yankstrick course. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so it's literally the same thing I've had for now again for like 25, 30. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that 15, 16 year old you is coming up again. Yeah, here she is. She's I love making, it. Making waves. Excellent. All later. So yeah, so Twitter, I mean, Twitter, Instagram, like YouTube, like literally TikTok, it's the same handle everywhere. So right. fantastic. Suze, I want you to uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much for coming on again. Team, please go follow her and uh, show her some love and check out CGC and everything they've got coming on or going on in the not-so-distant future. For now, Cardboard Coaches are out of here.